the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD. In an uncertain economy, if you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to KirkElliottPhD.com and make an appointment today. Coming up, I'll evaluate the um, situation in Israel, including the odious Hamas lobby that has been emerging in the United States. Zev Ornstein, an international affairs director at the City of David Foundation in Jerusalem, joins me for an in-depth conversation on Israel's national trauma, the coming international backlash against Israel, and ways in which we can help the embattled citizens of that country. Hey, if you're listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or watching on Rumble, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Two things really uh, stand out in terms of the U.S. relationship to the Hamas attacks in Israel. The first is that uh, the Biden administration helped to subsidize these attacks, and it did it quite simply by releasing $6 billion of funds to Iran. Now, there's a great effort on the part of the left to run away from this, to hide from this, by saying, in effect, that yes, we released the money, but the money was put into a separate bank account and not one cent, I'm not quoting them, not one cent of this money has been spent yet. Now, this defense makes not really a lot of sense because money doesn't have to be spent in order to be used. And if it seems that seems like an odd thing to say, let's say I win the lottery and I'm going to get six billion dollars. That's basically what the Biden administration did. They said, Iran, you won the lottery. Here is six billion dollars. But the money's coming. It's in an account. You just don't have it yet. The question is, do I still have six billion dollars? Answer, yes. Because all I need to know is that the money has been allocated for me. It's not going to be taken back. It is promised and the Biden regime is going to keep its pledge. The money is, in fact, left the United States. It's sitting in a bank account. And so I can go to another bank and say, hey, listen, I've got $6 billion sitting over there. Can I get a loan for $5 billion? And the bank would go, of course, if you if you have the money and you can pay the interest, you can certainly have that kind of loan. So the simple fact of it is, whether or not those particular dollar bills have, have been spent, Iran's net worth went up $6 billion and they can easily use that money. The Iranian president couldn't have been more clear. We'll use the money for whatever we want. And if they haven't spent it yet, 
Well, they could spend it in the future. So Hamas is going to have to defend against the incoming Israeli assault. Maybe Hamas thinks, well, the way to defuse the assault is to launch new attacks and get the Israelis to have to defend their own territories. So guess what? We have six billion in unspent money that the Iranians can help us with. So we haven't used it yet. So let's use it now. Now, Interestingly, there are Republicans who are saying and a lot of people saying that they that the Biden administration should take back that money. And think about it. If it hasn't been spent, you can totally take it back. But the Biden people are reluctant to do that. Uh, the Democrats are reluctant to do that, with the exception of one or two. None of them has come out and said, yes, we think that this six billion should be returned. So all the rhetoric that's coming out from the Democrats, oh, we condemn terrorism, our hearts are with the Israelis. There is an element of insincerity when you're not willing to acknowledge that A, your funds may have played a role in helping this to happen. This is a little bit like what we saw with COVID, except only worse. Uh, and that is when you do gain-of-function research, you do it in collaboration with the Wuhan lab, the virus may well have come out, leaked out of that lab, and then you go, well, we're not really responsible because our gain-of-function research wasn't connected to... It's just an attempt to sort of avoid responsibility. But even if you try to avoid responsibility, you should at least try to undo the effects of what you have set in motion. And so here's the $6 billion. And if you're right that the money still is around, let's freeze it again. Let's seize it. Let's take it back. The money is supposedly under the supervision of Qatar. Well, let's go to the Qataris and say, hand it over. This should not be hard to do. The U.S. would easily be in a position uh, to uh, to do this. Now, uh, I was thinking a little bit about the connection between the stuff going on in Israel and the police state. And I think there is a connection. The connection is simply this. The U.S. government and the intelligence agencies and the police agencies of our government are so obsessed with going after January 6 grandmas, going after peaceful protesters, following around people who went to the Trump rally, targeting what they call domestic extremism that they were not doing their real job. Think about it. What was the, what did, when the U.S. government was given all these police powers in the aftermath of 9-11, in the aftermath of the Patriot Act, wasn't it to monitor the activity of foreign terrorists and in specific Islamic terrorists, the same guys who did 9-11, who continue to wish harm on us and our allies And that's the key job of the U.S. intelligence agencies, and they clearly weren't doing it. They were, they have turned their lens inward, and they're targeting unbelievably us. So, um, look, uh, I am concerned about Israel, but I am also very alarmed by the police state emerging in the United States. Why? Because if the lights go out here, if the, the noose tightens here on our basic rights and liberties, the noose is going to tighten all over the world. The lights are going to go out in Israel. They'll go out in other free societies around the world. So if we want to protect American lives, American freedoms, uh, and the free world, we should begin by doing it at home and then extend those protections to the degree we can to our allies abroad. Debbie and I had a New Year's resolution to lose some weight, and thankfully, PhD weight loss came to our rescue. Debbie's lost 24 pounds. I've lost 27. We are now both on maintenance and couldn't be more 
delighted. The program is based on science and nutrition, no injections, no pills, no long hours in the gym, no severe calorie restriction, just good, sound, scientifically proven nutrition. It's so simple. They make it easy by providing 80% of your food at no additional cost. They tell you when and what to eat. And guess what? You can do this without ever being hungry. The founder, Dr. Ashley Lucas, has her PhD in chronic disease and sports nutrition. She's also a registered dietitian. She helps people lose weight and most important, maintain that weight loss for life. So if you're ready to take the step of losing weight like Debbie and I have, call PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Here's the number. Write it down. 864-644-1900. You can also find them online at myphdweightloss.com. The number again to call, 864-644-1900. Guys, I'd like to welcome back to the podcast a really good friend of ours, Zev Ornstein. He's Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation in Jerusalem, Israel. He has been up close with all these tragic events of the last several days and I thought it'd be really great to have Zev come on and talk a little bit about it. Uh, Zev, welcome. Thanks for joining us uh, from Israel. And uh, let me begin by asking you to describe some of the work that the City of David Foundation is doing, because I want to draw a strange connection between your work and some of these tragic events. They may, On the surface, it may not seem to be connected, but I believe, and I, I think you believe it is, so let's begin by talking about what the City of David is doing in Israel. Uh, very simply, the City of David is the historic site of biblical Jerusalem. When you think of the place where the kings of the Bible ruled, where the po- prophets of the Bible preached, uh, they were not hanging out in what's known as the Old City of Jerusalem, uh, but just outside the walls of the Old City, uh, just south of the Temple Mount on the Western Wall, is the City of David. That's where people like King David, King Solomon, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, that's where they were hanging out. And there's no place in the world more so than City of David where you can take uh, the Bible in one hand and see what's being unearthed in the other and see that Jerusalem's biblical heritage, what in America might be known as the Judeo-Christian heritage, uh, is not simply a matter of faith, but a matter of fact where every single day antiquities are being unearthed that show that uh, our shared heritage, whether you're Jewish or Christian, whether you're in Israel or in America, our shared heritage that both our nations are established upon, uh, the archaeological affirmation uh, of of uh, that heritage is being unearthed every single day in the city of David. So let's think about what these excavations in the city of David are really showing. I mean, not only are they validating, uh, you may say historicizing, giving firm historical grounding that some of the Hebrew prophets, some of the, the ancient uh, kings of Israel, these were not mythical figures these were historical figures. They lived, they had territory, they had wives, they ruled, they were subject to human flaws and temptations. Uh, and the other thing, if I'm right, is they're showing that the Jews, this is the ancestral home of the Jews. Uh, the Jews might Absolutely. have been scattered in diaspora, but before that, this is where they lived. This was their home. Isn't that right? One hundred percent, and and uh, not only for for the Jewish people that uh, we've been living in this land for thousands and thousands of years, that archaeology affirms that. But of course, for for your Christian listeners, uh, Jesus himself was Jewish, uh, and uh, he would have been walking through the city of David. He would have been in Jerusalem uh, as a Jew, uh, and so whether you're Jewish or Christian, uh, this is a place that has uh, deep deep significance. Uh, for the affirmation of uh, of our shared heritage, which is uh, which is a biblical heritage with its with with its roots uh, in in Jerusalem, in the city of David. 
Zev, you have a project going on right now, which is excavation of the Pool of Siloam. And sure. this is a pool in which uh, religious Jews would, would bathe and uh, sort of cleanse themselves before uh, walking down the pilgrim road to the yep. temple. Uh, and when Jesus of Nazareth being a Jew, uh, and uh, having gone to the temple, would have been in that pool, would have walked that road. So isn't this what you're talking about when you're saying that this is this is a Jewish history, but also obviously for Christians, it has a Christian dimension as well. 100%. 100%. Now, we have this massive, uh, unprovoked, unexpected attack that has come from Hamas, um, seemingly or actually quite obviously with Iranian uh, planning, Iranian orchestration. Comment a little bit about whether you see any connection, however remote, between the work that you're doing, the, the historical validation that you're doing, and what Hamas is trying to strike out at. What's clear, and Hamas makes this very clear, if anyone wants to see uh, the people that that we are talking about right now, just go online, Google Hamas Charter, uh, and you'll see it is the the modern day uh, Nazi party uh, calling for the uh, genocidal eradication uh, of Israel and and the Jewish people. And uh, you know, from from their perspective, uh, Israel uh, is a occupying colonizing power uh, that has no legitimate historic ties to uh, the land of Israel or, or to Jerusalem, certainly, uh, and. Uh, and in a certain sense, it is a uh, spiritual conflict, not just a, uh, you know, a, a military or a geographic one, which is from their perspective, the idea that anyone other than Islam uh, having domain in the Middle East and certainly in the land of Israel and Jerusalem, from their perspective, it is uh, it's a holy war uh, that you have to drive out the infidels, whether they be Jews, whether they be Christians, uh, that they have no place uh, in the region and certainly no place as sovereign in the region. Uh, which is why uh, Hamas is, is so committed to uh, driving uh, Israel out. The idea that from their perspective that you could have a Jewish state in the Middle East uh, is unacceptable. And the idea that in a place like the city of David, where uh, we're unearthing direct affirmation of the fact that uh, we've been here for thousands of years, that Jerusalem's biblical heritage was significant, not to millions, but to billions, whether to Jews or Christians, uh, is not simply a matter of faith, but a matter of fact. Uh, these are all things that uh, from uh, Hamas's perspective, are are a uh, a non-starter, and uh, and and so what they are fighting against is not you know the so-called quote-unquote occupation or or anything uh, a political policy or they don't like Netanyahu or they don't like this policy or that government. Uh, they want to eliminate uh, the state of Israel. They want to eliminate the Jewish people from this land. Uh, and believe me, uh, it's not just the Jewish people uh, or the Jewish state that they would want to eliminate. Uh, they would do the same to uh, America uh, if they could, uh, because one, what, why they hate us is the same reason, uh, in large part, why they would hate the United States of America as well. For the same foundations of our shared heritage, uh, which they are uh, committed to wiping out. We'll be right back with Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation based in Jerusalem. 
Last month, the G20 group announced that it welcomed discussion of the effects of implementing central bank digital currencies in their countries. These digital currencies could allow the government to track every purchase you make. They could even allow officials to prohibit you from buying certain products or freeze or seize part or all of your money. In essence, they enable the government to control your finances. Now, Concerned Americans like me are diversifying our assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. Now, if you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, you should call Birch Gold. Debbie and I are customers. We buy our gold through Birch Gold. But find out for yourself. Text to Nesh to 989898. They'll send you a free information kit on gold. And here's the easiest way to become a Birch Gold customer. If you got an IRA or a 401k, maybe from a previous employer... Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. So get started. Text to Nesh to 989898. Claim your free information kit on gold and contact Birch Gold, because if digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to fall back on. I'm back with our friend Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation, based in Jerusalem. Zev, um, You know, you mentioned this idea that is um, articulated by Hamas, by a lot of the other radical Islamic groups, that Israel is a colonial occupier uh, of the land that we call Israel. Israel sort of doesn't belong there. It seized that land by force and it is its presence there is illegitimate. Now, let's let's think about this for a moment historically, because the the lands of the Middle East were originally Jewish, uh, then they became Roman, uh, then a lot of them were Christian, places like Jordan. Islam comes along in the 7th century and conquers those regions. So uh, what I find kind of amusing is that that you have Islam, which was itself a colonial power, uh, an invader, a conqueror, an occupier, and really proud of it. I mean, the, the conquests of Islam are celebrated in the annals of Islamic writings through the centuries. And so isn't it interesting that you've now got this rhetoric, which almost seems to me a modern Western rhetoric, the rhetoric of treating colonialism as bad, and treating the uh, the victims as good. And it's interesting that the Muslims, the radical Muslims, have learned this language, which w- was invented in the West. I think that one of the reasons why they use that language, and you see it uh, in particular on university uh, campuses uh, in the media today, is they use the language that will resonate with the people that they are trying to convince. It's not that they uh, believe in Western liberalism or any of these values, but uh, if that happens to resonate with uh, getting political support, be it at the United Nations or on university campuses, they will uh, use that rhetoric. Uh, and it's ironic also because there is virtually not a single grain of sand in the Middle East uh, that Islam has uh, had control over that did not come via the sword. So the idea that somehow they're a pacifist, uh, that Hamas is really just a bunch of nice people that are misunderstood, obviously, that is... Uh, not the case. And, and if anyone needed any proof of that, just look at what, what, what's happened over the last few days here, uh, in Israel, um, w- which has been really almost, almost no words to, to describe the barbarism, the inhumanity, uh, that has been displayed. Are you seeing, Zev, that in Israel now, there is, 
a coming together of the Israeli people. I say this because something of the sort happened at 9-11 uh, in the United States, as you know. Um, and uh, and yet Israel, like America, has been quite a politically divided society. Netanyahu, undoubtedly a controversial figure. But what is the sentiment in Israel now as you look kind of across the political spectrum? How are people... Uh, are those rivalries now somewhat muted in a common project to defeat Hamas? Yeah, one one of the, I would say without without a doubt, one of the reasons uh, that that in, led to this attack uh, was the sense of disunity uh, within Israel, the political strife and divisions that were tearing apart Israeli society uh, over the last number of months. And uh, I imagine that Hamas and, and Iran, which uh, which which sponsored uh, everything that's happened over the last couple of days. Uh, they believe that Israel is at a weak point and, uh, their big mistake, which they'll realize, uh, in, in the days, weeks, and months to come is, is that they have actually helped to reunify our society. And when, when the Jewish people, when Israel is united, uh, nothing will break us. It doesn't mean that, that we have not suffered a, a very difficult blow uh, that will take, you know, many, many years and generations to, to recover from. Uh, but once we're a united society, it, it the, the acts of kindness, the, the wall to wall, wall support. And, and just keep in mind, it's different from America. Uh, Israel just called up 360,000, uh, reserve soldiers, w- which means that virtually all able-bodied males beneath the age of, uh, 40 or so, they're all serving on the front lines right now. Uh, meaning all, you know, all, all teenage, uh, and young adult, uh, sons are on the front lines, fathers, husbands on the front lines. This is not where you have a small percentage of society that, that serves in the military. This is the entire country now. Is on the front lines, and those who aren't on the front lines, I can speak about my family, but my family is just one example of, of of pretty much every family in this country finding ways to do acts of kindness. How can you be doing something to help? Whether it's the soldiers, whether it's the families who are are in need right now from from the south who who have uh, faced such ter- terrible loss, uh, what can you be doing? No one is sitting home watching Netflix right now. Uh, everyone is finding a way to contribute to strengthening the home front, strengthening unity amongst. Uh, uh, people here in Israel finding ways to just be a part of, of the effort here. Uh, there are the fighters and then there are those who support the fighters and, and everyone in this nation right now is in some way in one of those two categories. There, there is no one, uh, who is just sitting on the sidelines and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's, it's, it's tragic whether it takes a 9-11 or, or something that just happened here in Israel, uh, to bring that about. But, but when it does express itself, it, it's a beautiful thing and, and it's truly, uh, an unstoppable force. And, and in, in many ways now, I think that the nation is, is going to hopefully be leading uh, our leaders and showing that the nation is strong. The nation wants to fight. We're united. We're, we're ready to dig in for whatever is necessary. Uh, as long as, uh, you know, our leaders do what needs to be done, both our military leaders and our, our political leaders, but the, but the nation is, is unified and, and strong and, and ready for whatever sacrifices need to be made in order to uh, end this threat once and for all. We'll be right back with Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation based in Jerusalem. You don't have to live with aches and pains. There is a better way. Debbie and I are proof of this. We started taking Relief Factor a couple of years ago, and we've seen a huge difference in our joints. Nothing short of amazing. Aches and pains are totally gone thanks to this 100% drug-free solution called Relief Factor. How does it work? Relief Factor supports your body's fight against inflammation. That's the source of aches and pains. More than 1 million people have tried Relief Factor. 
About 70% have gone on to order more to become regular customers. Debbie's a true believer. She can now do exercises, push-ups, planks, and so on that for a long time she wasn't able to do. So Relief Factor has been a real game changer for her, her aunt, other members of our family, Mike here in the studio, and for many other people. You too can benefit. Try it for yourself. Order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. The number again to call, 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. I'm back with Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation. Zev, you know, there's... um there's a lot of uh, passionate condemnations of the Hamas attacks now coming from the United States from all quarters. And yet it remains a sort of stunning fact uh, that the Biden administration released uh, $6 billion in funds to Iran. Uh, now, isn't it... Shouldn't there be some soul searching right here in the United States and perhaps some accountability in the Biden administration for what would seem to be subsidizing a horrific attack? So you you can't condemn the attack without looking at, well, what helped to pay for this attack? I think if anyone had any blinders uh, as to what Iran represents, what Hamas represents, not that there should have ever been any, but but in case anyone did. I think those blinders have been uh, thrown off. And and Hamas could not have done this without the direct Iranian support, not just financial support, but intelligence and training. Uh, the Washington Post and other media outlets have already verified that this was, in fact, the case. Uh, Hamas is not capable on their own to pull off what just happened. Uh, so Iran was directly behind this. And Iran is the uh, single largest backer of both Hamas and Hezbollah, which are the two fronts that Israel is primarily dealing with, Hamas in the south and, and uh, Hezbollah in the north. And uh, the thought that, uh, you know, $6 billion, it's a, it's a lot of money, uh, is going to Iran. Oh, you know, it's, it's even if, you know what, it was given under the best of intentions, let's, you know, give benefit of the doubt. Uh, it's not too late to say, you know what, we can no longer give you that money. I'm sorry, but, but, uh, you know, the United States of America, which stands for 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 the values that the country was built upon, standing with their allies uh, who were just uh, attacked by an Iranian proxy, that the United States of America can't in good conscience allow the $6 billion to go to Iran. And believe me, there, there are a lot of uh, better causes to, to give that money to. I mean, Israel right now is going to have to rebuild uh, the country from this attack, just in terms of humanitarian need. Uh, better to give it to to something like that than than to Iran. And so I would imagine this would be it should be an apolitical thing. This should not be a Republican issue or a Democrat issue. Uh, but but there there are good guys and there are bad guys here. Uh, and I think everyone, whether you're Republican or Democrat, should be able to agree that Iran is on the evil side. Hamas is on the evil side uh, and giving any money, especially now billions of dollars, which which everyone knows uh, will be used for more of the same as what we just saw in Israel over the last couple of days. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine any member of Congress or Senate from either party uh, supporting uh, that money still going to Iran. And, and so hopefully this is something, uh, a bipartisan effort that that can uh, stop that money, freeze that money, uh, and and at least uh, begin to make Iran uh, pay a small price uh, for, for what they're responsible for. Well, I mean, what the kind of statements that we've seen coming out of the, the Biden administration, various organs of the government, is, is a sort of an effort to say that the money has not been spent yet. 
The money is sitting in an account, as if to say that the actual dollar bills we provided were not used for this terrorist attack. Well, I think that what you're saying is, number one, if it hasn't been spent yet, take it back. And number right. two, uh, Iran has made it very clear. I saw a statement by the president of Iran basically saying, listen, once we get the money, it's our money. We're going to use it yep. for whatever we decide, not what you think. So this is a, a case where it seems less important to make an explanation to avoid responsibility and more to say there may be an opportunity to undo this grievous Absolutely. error that has been made. Don't you agree? A hundred percent. I think, you know, for your listeners, just to imagine what we're talking about that, that happened. We're talking about in one day, uh, the bodies are literally still being counted, but it's up to over 1,300 Israelis uh, were murdered uh, this past Saturday uh, on the Sabbath, uh, on one of the Jewish uh, festival days, uh, 1,300 people. So just to, you know, it's a number. So so what does that mean? So so if you're listening and you live in an apartment building, so imagine your entire apartment building is just gone, destroyed. And then the one next to that one and the one next to that and the whole block of apartment buildings and you come out to about 1,300 people. And if you live in a private home, so imagine everyone in your home murdered and the home next to you and your entire block and the block next to that one and probably your whole neighborhood, 1,300 people. And just yesterday, it came out uh, in, in one of the villages near near the, the Gaza uh, border, th- they found 40 babies, babies, mutilated, behe- beheaded. We're talking about uh, elderly, elderly people, women raped. I mean, you know, the Bible talks about that every person is created in the image of God. And you know what? Uh, it, it does not apply to Hamas. Hamas is shown in their actions here. Uh, they are not created in the image of God. Uh, this is, if you want to see evil in the world, this is evil. When you go into a nursery and, and you behead babies, uh, you, 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 you kill the men and then you take the women and the elderly hostage in, in, into Gaza. This was not a military attack. This was not a political dispute. This, this, and the thing that makes it even worse, uh, this has been the greatest day in terms of number of Jews killed in one single day since the Holocaust. And the difference between Hamas and the Nazis is the Nazis tried to cover up their crimes. Hamas is so proud that they release videos. Anyone can go on YouTube and just, Hamas is releasing the footage of the brutalities, of the atrocities that they carried out, that they're proud of it. And, and that's something that that uh, really every American should should be aware of. And, and just know that Israel today is fighting a fight, not just for, for the Jewish people, not just for, for the state of Israel. Uh, but if we are not successful in eradicating Hamas here, uh, then it will embolden all the similar groups like Hamas who want to do the same to America. That either we will show the world that evil can be defeated and, and strike fear into the hearts of all these organizations, or if Israel's not allowed to finish the job, then it will give encouragement to all these organizations to show that even when you kill 1,300 men, women, children, elderly, babies in one day, you can get away with it. And if they got away with it by Israel, it'll come to the United States also. So this is a fight for both of our nations, uh, a fight that we must win. We'll be right back with Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation in Jerusalem. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop with the MyPillow pillows. He also created the Giza Dream 
bed sheets. Now, these sheets, we have them all over our house. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is critical for our overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but also extremely durable. And Mike's latest deal, sale of the year, for a limited time, you get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. So go for it. Go to MyPillow.com and a promo code Dinesh. There you'll find not just this great offer, but other offers, deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, the MyPillow pillows, the mattress topper, the towel sets, and so much more. The number to call, 800-876-0227. Again, it's 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com to get the discount. You need to use the promo code D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. I'm back with Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs of the City of David Foundation in Jerusalem. Zev, you said something that on the face of it was really shocking, but when I think about it, uh, quite accurate. And that is, you said that sometimes people liken Hamas and these terrorist groups to the Nazis. And, and of course, then people go, well, were they really of the same, you know, were they really that evil? Were they really that bad? And I, I think what you implied is in some respects, they're worse because the Nazis realize that if we have these death camps, first of all, we can't keep them in Germany. We can't let the German people find out that we're putting people in gas ovens. Uh, so what we have to do is put these death camps uh, in, in Poland. We've got to put them in the occupied territories. And in fact, the death camps were located uh, in uh, in those in those occupied territories. So the Nazis tried to hide their crimes Hamas, on the other hand, is boasting about its crimes, putting it out on social. So this is a level of depravity that in some ways even the Nazis didn't go for. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, and the reason they're putting it out in many ways is, is psychological warfare to to scare the people in Israel and, and perhaps in, in America and elsewhere of, well, this is what you're up against. And uh uh, the videos are, are frightening and it's literally getting a, a look into, uh, evil in 2023. It's hard to imagine that, that this is still possible in the world today. Uh, but, but here it is. And, uh, we all have a choice. Uh, and the choice is, what are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to uh, try to appease evil? Are you going to just look away and hope it doesn't come to your doorstep? Or are you going to, uh, eradicate evil? And, uh, hopefully Israel's a society. We've, we've, uh, we've made our choice because the choice, uh, is we've already paid with 1,300 dead men, women, and children in one day. Uh, we, God willing, will have the courage to to uh, destroy Hamas once and for all. Uh, but again, America and the rest of uh, the Western world, uh, you could pretend that, you know what, this just happened to Israel. They only hate Jews. We're not Jewish. We don't have to worry about it. It's not really our problem. Uh, maybe you're right for today, maybe for tomorrow, for a month, a year, maybe a decade. Uh, but but it will come to you. Uh, if If you don't fight the fight, if you do not... Uh, commit yourselves to standing up against this kind of evil in the world. And it is evil. Uh, it will come. And that's what's at stake here. Are you concerned, Zev, that one of the kind of ideologies that has gained a lot of footing in Europe and America over the past generation, it's sort of the rhetoric of moral equivalence. And it's the rhetoric that essentially takes, there's an evil act. And then when you retaliate against that evil act, it, it, the rhetoric of moral equivalence says, well, gee, these are two people doing the same thing. Hamas struck out at Israel. Israel is striking out at Hamas. And, uh, so how does one, how do you think about 
the uh, not just the political backlash that could come against Israel once Israel really gets into the fight with Hamas. But second, how do you think about, you know, as 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 an observant Jew, as somebody who takes your faith seriously, uh, who takes morality seriously, how do you think about this issue of moral equivalence? Uh, moral equivalence, I think people talk a lot today about privilege. Uh, moral equivalence is a privilege because only only a society that has not gone through uh, the types of things that Israel's faced over the last few days can talk about moral equivalency. When it's your family and when it's your nation, when it's your people uh, that has just had 1,300 of its men, women, and children brutally murdered, raped, beheaded, mutilated, uh, there's no place for moral equivalency. There is a right and a wrong. There is a good and an evil. Uh, and it's only people who will sit on the sidelines and armchair quarterback it uh, who, who can come up with these ideas of, of moral equivalency. Uh, and one of the things that, you know, talking about in terms of a, of a faith perspective, uh, there, there is the, the, the obligation, even in the Bible to, uh, to eliminate evil. Uh, it's, I'm not here to get into, uh, you know, who, who, how do you define what's evil? Uh, but I, I can say that I, anyone who cannot acknowledge that beheading, mutilating 40 babies in a nursery, uh, if you can't acknowledge that's evil, uh, then you need to, to do some soul searching. So this is not politics. Well, if you're right winger, if you're left winger, if you're religious or secular, there should be certain baseline uh, truths of this is evil uh, and it should be eradicated. Uh, and you don't have to be an observant Jew or a Christian to understand these things. Although sadly today, uh, it seems that uh, it's becoming, le- you know, common sense is becoming less and less common. And one doesn't have to go very far. If you look uh, in New York City today, if you look at Harvard University today, uh, the types of propaganda. There were demonstrations the last few days in New York City, uh, calling for the destruction of Israel. Uh, a number of student groups at Harvard University, the Harvard, uh, talking about how, uh, Israel bears sole responsibility for apparently, uh, having 1300 of its own citizens, uh, murdered, raped, mutilated. I guess that's Israel's fault somehow, according to Harvard, which apparently is supposed to produce the smartest people, uh, in, in the world. Uh, you know, uh, I, I guess. We're not so smart that we, we don't understand it that way. Uh, but, but, you know, when you look at a society that, that cannot tell right from wrong, good from evil, uh, that is a society that does not have uh, much of a future because if you can't identify evil, if you can't identify what is good and what is, is, is wrong, what is right and what is wrong, then you can't defend it and you can't fight against it. Uh, and so that's really, uh, Israel has had a, a wake up call, uh, if we needed one. Uh, and the question is, will, will America and the rest of the world uh, heed that call as well, or if they will wait uh, for similar circumstances to to strike at their their home countries. We'll be right back for a final segment with Zev Ornstein. Guys, I'd like to invite you, and there's no better time, to check out my Locals channel. I post a lot of exclusive content there, including content that's censored on other social media platforms. On Locals, you get Dinesh Unchained, Dinesh Uncensored. You can also interact with me directly. Every week, I do a live weekly Q&A. It's typically on Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. No topic is off limits. I've also uploaded some cool films to Locals, 2,000 Meals included, documentaries and feature films, my films and films by other independent producers. Producers. My new film, Police State, is also going to be on Locals. And if you are an annual subscriber, you can watch it for free. Check out my channel. It's Dinesh.locals.com. I'd love to have you along for this great ride. Again, it's Dinesh.locals.com. I'm back with Zev Ornstein, Director of International Affairs at the City of David Foundation in Jerusalem. You know, Zev, when um, when BLM came to prominence in the wake of the George Floyd business, 
everybody was gaga. People were uh, progressives, particularly in this country, very enthusiastic corporations piling money uh, into BLM. And yet, interestingly, when this erupted, BLM very clearly came out on the Palestinian side. I was a little shocked that they even showed the image of Hamas fighters kind of parachuting into Israel and, and embraced that kind of imagery. I mean, it seems to me, I don't know if this is happening in Israel, but there needs to be a progressive reevaluation here because I think when a lot of people supported BLM, they, you know, think about the innocence of the term black lives matter. Well, sure. But you don't know that when you're signing up for that, you're getting a whole bunch of other stuff as well. You, you got to read the fine print uh, from the very, very beginning. Uh, when BLM put out its charter, uh, you know, support uh, for Palestine, referring to Israel as an apartheid state, an illegitimate, uh, you know, occupying power. Uh, well, that's 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 what they were calling for. And, uh, you know, refer to uh, on demonized terms, whether it's apartheid or, or colonizers or whatever. Well, then you got to fight against them. And, uh, you know, he- here we are. Uh, and not to mention that that the idea of referring to Israel as colonial anything, there's probably no people uh, anywhere in the world that has more of a connection to their to their land, to, the, to their homeland than the Jewish people have to the land of Israel. Uh, with documented scientific archaeological evidence of of their living continuously in this land for for nearly four thousand years, uh, so there's no occupation, there's no colonization, there's no apartheid. Uh, this is not a a political issue. Uh, this is a right and wrong issue. Uh, and again, go read Hamas's charter. It's there online. They don't hide it. Uh, and see what they are calling for, and see if that is something that uh, that you uh, listening to this, whether it's in the United States or anywhere else. Uh, that that you could feel in good conscience that that this is a legitimate perspective. You know, I got a not that there's anything to chuckle about here, but one thing that did make me chuckle today was a bunch of the Harvard South Asian organizations, the Asian Indian group, the Nepali group, had all signed on to this support for Palestine. And then a venture capitalist came out in America and said, okay, give me the names of the members of all these organizations so we'll make sure never to hire them. And I noticed that one by one, these Asian societies are now disavowing their statement. So clearly progressive morality doesn't go very far. The moment you realize, oh, my job may be affected, it's like I'm going to cancel my involvement with this kind of uh, kind of organization. Well, let me say on the other side or, or ask you, there are going to be Americans who say, are there things that we can do to help ordinary Israelis in this situation? What would your answer be? Uh, absolutely. There, there are many, many causes uh, that people in America can can reach out to in, in Israel to help. I'll just mention two or three uh, you have an organization called the Friend, Friends of IDF, Friends of the Israel Defense Forces, which, which helps get, uh, supplies to, to people on the front, uh, which is certainly in need right now. You have another organization called, uh, Magen David Adom, M-A-G-E-N-D-A-V-I-D-A-D-O-M, uh, which is essentially Israel's equivalent to the Red Cross, which, uh, they're involved every moment of the day, uh, right now in, in life-saving efforts, uh, which they could use their support in terms of, uh, the City of David specifically. Uh, we are trying to bolster uh, security in and around uh, the historic site of biblical Jerusalem, uh, ensuring not just that the antiquities are pr- uh, protected, but you have uh, uh, hundreds of uh, families living in the area uh, that uh, right now are in need of protection. And so we're trying to ensure that that happens as well. Uh, and so you can find uh, in the show notes, uh, there'll be a link to uh, to that project as well. 
uh, where you could go to uh, to that or go to the City of David website, cityofdavid.org.il, and uh, in the About section, find Donate, and uh, and you can make a donation there to support that project. Guys, Debbie and I think that there is uh, just about no cause as important as the work that the City of David Foundation is doing. Uh, we're supporters. We want you to be as well. And Zev Ornstein, thank you so much for joining me from Jerusalem and giving us thank your you. point of view. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm in a section of the Gulag Archipelago where Solzhenitsyn is describing a group of Soviet uh, soldiers who found themselves in World War II in Sweden, and they experienced life in the West. Uh, it was wartime, but nevertheless, there was the the abundance of Sweden, the technological sophistication of Sweden, the presence of people sitting in cafes and eating food. And uh, the Soviet soldiers saw, wow, these people are living the kind of life that we don't have in our communist paradise. And so the Russian leadership, the Soviet leadership knew this. So when these guys came back to Russia after the war, guess what? They are imprisoned. And you can infer that they were imprisoned both to teach themselves a lesson. They were probably praising the virtues of Western society. But second, uh, so that they don't uh, go around telling other people, hey, listen, guess what? All this stuff we're told about how horrible life is in the bourgeois societies, it's not even true. Those guys live far better than we do. Now, Solzhenitsyn now goes into what uh, happened after that. And what happened after that is that um, obviously in Sweden and in the West, people find out that these Russian soldiers are now in prison. And so there are articles in the Western press about, wait a minute, you've got these Russian soldiers, they're fighting for the motherland, they're fighting against the Nazis, they're helping to defeat the Nazis, and what? Stalin has ordered them to be locked up? So there's outrage in the Western press. And uh, so... Um, says Solzhenitsyn, and, and now I'm reading. Um, suddenly, these soldiers uh, were fed for two months as though for slaughter and allowed to let their hair grow. Um, so instead of being getting the kind of crew cut of a prisoner, you're allowed to have a normal haircut. They feed you as if you're a lamb fattened for the slaughter. Why? Because they're about to parade these same prisoners before the Western press. Then they were dressed with modest elegance, rehearsed on what they, on what to say and to whom, and warned that any bastard who dared to squeak out of turn would get a bullet in his skull. And then they were led off to a press conference for selected foreign journalists and some others who had known the entire crew in Sweden. The former internees, meaning prisoners, bore themselves cheerfully, described where they were living, studying, and working, and expressed their indignation at the bourgeois slander that they had read about not long before in the Western press. After all, Western papers are sold in the Soviet Union at every corner newsstand. And so they had written to one another and decided to gather in Leningrad. Their travel expenses didn't bother them in the least. Their fresh, shiny appearance completely gave the lie to the newspaper canard. The discredited journalists went off to write their apologies. It was wholly inconceivable to the Western imagination that there could have been any other explanation. So 
the the Western press are suckers. They see all these guys. Whoa, wait a minute. They're not in prison. Wait, they've their hair's grown. They look like they're living normal life. They are very outraged that we have been slandering them like this in the Western press. And so they've gathered at their own expense to object to this. We better retract our stories. And then, of course, uh, Solzhenitsyn continues. And then, and then the men who had been the subjects of the interview were taken off to a bath, had their hair cut off again, were dressed in their former rags, and sent back to the same camps. But because they had conducted themselves properly, none of them was given a second term. So this is how police states operate. They operate by intimidation and threats. Hey, listen, you guys. Uh, you're angry at being confined in a prison camp, but we need you right now. And so we're going to fatten you up. We're going to dress you up. We're going to give you a script. And your script is to go out there and dispute the reports in the Western press. In, in other words, dispute the accuracies in the Western press and replace them with the lies that we're going to give you. The lie that you're not in prison. You're not in danger. You're a student. You're an intellectual. You're living a normal life. And here you just came across this article in the Western press and you have to correct these inaccuracies. And guess what? After this task is performed, and of course it is performed by these prisoners with a gun to their head, then it's like, all right, back to the prison camp to serve out the rest of your term. Now, you're lucky that we're not adding to your term and we're, and, and that is a reward. So the reward that you get for playing your appropriate role is not that we shorten your term, is not that we let you out, it's not that we give you your freedom, it's that we agree not to give you 10 more years. We're not going to be adding to your sentence. So the, the lesson here is that socialist societies rely on, let's, I think the phrase is the Potemkin village phenomenon. The Potemkin village is an artificial village. It's a scene that's not real. It's a facade. You see the front of a building, but if you went and peeked at the back, there's no building there. And so this is propaganda in the true sense of the term. The state has an objective. The police state has an objective. And even though you are at the receiving end of the police state, they still have enough control over you. After all, they can always make your life worse. So they can get you to dress up and comb your hair and behave yourself and even praise the very regime that is going to take you right back to prison once you've finished your press conference. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.